1: Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160
2: AM. And welcome to the program. It's great to have you along today here at KSL News Radio. I'm Doug Wright, uh, temporarily hosting Inside Sources. I'll be telling you a little bit more. About that, but the word is temporarily right, Robin. I just want somebody to confirm that.
3: You know, I can either confirm. Yeah, yeah, that's just temporary uh, to people's great uh, uh, sadness around here, only for a short time.
2: This is not a bloodless coup, hostile takeover, and I'm not doing a Jay Leno. I've mentioned that before, but there is rhyme uh, and reason to the the madness, and we'll tell you more about that coming up. Hey, we have a a great program today. I'm looking forward to the conversation. I I ran into Mark uh, uh, Sanford out in the. Hallway yesterday, and I was just getting ready to go and do the uh, the mayoral debate, and I, he thought I was kidding. I said, "You know, I, I truly am sorry not to be going to editorial board meeting today because you're our guest." And he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah," and but I was absolutely serious. I mean, here is a Republican who is uh, stepping up to uh, vie for the the nomination in 2020. Now, you know, what kind of chance he has can certainly be debated. But it was interesting, and I wish I had been in our editorial board yesterday. But I also had a great time hosting the debate. But uh, we have asked Boyd Matheson, who also, of course, is on the editorial board, along with uh, many of us uh, here between radio and television and the Deseret News and .com. uh, And I want to talk to Boyd about what uh, came up when they were talking with uh, Mr. Sanford. So that's uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, John Huntsman, Jr. will be joining us on the program. We've been working to put this together for some time. My uh, friend Kirk Jowers uh, ran into the Huntsman's at a party and or a gathering of some kind and, uh, you know, whispered in, uh, I think it was Mary Kay's ear, would you like to join me on the on the air? And they did last week, and we got a lot of insight into uh, Mr. and Mrs. Huntsman's, the ambassador's of take on uh, Russia and the Trump administration. And so on this time, we're going to bring the conversation down a little more local. Of course, President Trump will come up because he's had much to do here in the state of Utah with land. And uh, he is uh, very close to some people in the state of Utah. He still has quite an approval rating in the state of Utah. We'll talk with uh, John Huntsman Jr. about that, but I especially just want to get his take on some of the things that are happening here in the state of Utah. And, of course, there is uh, rampant speculation, a lot of people speculating as to what our former governor might be uh, up to nowadays. So we're going to get into that, and we have much more in store for you as well on the program today, including, we. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, is the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals on the road and uh, sold-out crowds? What does that mean? Up at USU, we're going to talk with someone who actually clerked for the court. And we've also got a call into the court itself to kind of get the the deal here. Uh, Michelle Quist will be joining us. But I understand, Robin, that once again, I must be subjected to the news quiz before we can move forward. Is this that- is,
3: this is true. we threatened last week an ejection button uh for <laughs> those who passed, so but today, Doug, we need you in your seat so so pass okay. or fail, you will remain I will <laughs> that, that's
2: comforting <laughs> to know yeah
3: all right here's the, the the headlines I pulled for today. The first one is yesterday's news. But I really wanted to get your take on it. So yesterday's news in the twenty-four hour news cycle may as well have been last week. But I loved this story. Uh, I thought it was funny. Mitt Romney breaking <laughs> clandestine, uh, you know, back backdoor secrets says he is behind the secret Pierre, Pierre Twitter delecto Twitter account.
2: Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I understand he's had it since two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and it has become a little more activated lately. I love the people that put up the the website or whatever, maybe Facebook account, I can't remember what it was, where they have Mitt Romney and they have Photoshopped the little French beret, has a little cheesy French mustache, and he's standing in front of the uh, Eiffel Tower. You know, what the heck? I mean, the founding fathers used to write under Publius and everything else you can imagine. So I guess our Senator Mitt Romney can be uh, Pierre Delecto if he...
3: <laughs> I figured they all to. have a secondary account to you well know, to communicate but, with yeah, with whatever.
2: Although or. you know we have had some dubious things happen in the past where people have uh, written under pseudonyms, praising themselves, praising their donors, praising everything else. I won't mention the name here, but uh, so you need to be very careful with stuff like that. But. You know, basically, you know what the heck. Right. Pierre, although next time I see him, I'll go, "Hey, Senator Delecto." Hey, you yeah,
3: have all the names. I just yeah, love that Delecto. One. That's love it.
2: That's a little weird. <sighs> okay, Pierre though, I think is good.
3: That's that's great.
2: Call me Pierre, would you?
3: Please? <laughs> okay, our second one. Uh, there's been a lot of studies about teenagers and cell phones, but this headline caught my eye this oh. morning because I have three kids. This
2: is South Korea?
3: Yeah, no. no. This Well, this is the teenagers are so addicted to cell phones that they're going to detox centers. There was a right. story about a, a girl. In said, South Korea? Yeah, yeah 13 the, hours on her phone.
2: Right. The government over there is so concerned and not only concerned about just the distraction and the time. They are fearful now that the frontal lobe is actually suffering. And now kids can't handle... Depression, they or they are more susceptible to depression, might be a way of putting it. And you know, I've I've worried about that for years, especially since I've basically used my big mouth for my living and being able to communicate with people, chat with people, hopefully see their point of view, if not agree with it. And our, our kids are losing some of those skills. They really are, and they're sitting in the same room texting to each other. You know, I've uh, our our great producer on the movie show one day, I said. Kelly And I love Kellyanne, but I said, why don't you just call me? We sent back and forth about how many texts? And she goes, that's the way my generation communicates. And I go, that's not the way my generation communicates, <laughs> and I'm your boss. <laughs> so, you know, but she's said Well, it's
3: so much quicker to make a quick oh. phone call than back, 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 back. You,
2: you know, back you and, and I have talked about that, too, mm-hmm. since I've I've been filling in on inside sources. You can go back and forth, and you never get an inflection. You can 30 seconds talking to somebody, whether it's on the phone, whether it's face-to-face, is worth about, what, 10,000 texts?
3: I saw a meme recently, and it said, how does a millennial uh, know... if it's a spam call, the phone is ringing. The phone is ringing. Any, any call oh. is a spam call. Yeah. yeah. I love uh-huh.
2: the kids that are trying to figure out how to use a dial phone. But yeah. that's another topic for that another That
3: is day. All right. Uh, Gary Trudeau. I, uh, did I say Gary Trudeau? Yeah, Gary Trudeau. Gary. That sounded like the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. What name am I looking for here? I didn't write the other- uh, Canada's Trudeau appears to set on... To, uh, to I hold- you're talking about Dunesbury. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> now my mind's gone blank. I think I wrote the wrong name. That happens to me all the time. Uh, he has won the... Uh, it has been announced he's won the prime minister position uh, in Canada after... Yeah, it's Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I wrote down Gary <laughs> Trudeau. You can talk, yeah, Doonesbury. It's not Gary Trudeau. Oh, my goodness. That's, uh-huh. that's my flub for the day. Justin yes. Trudeau. Thank you, Doug. Right. He has won the prime minister uh, position again in Canada after right. some controversy.
2: Well, a, a lot of controversy. I mean, you know, it seems like every leader in the known universe now is under some kind of controversy. And it's interesting too how our president has slammed Mr. Tr- well, of course, you know who hasn't he slammed? So that's that's interesting too. But yeah, you know the the Canadians are pretty mellow, and uh, I think it would take something fairly uh, dramatic.
3: And he's been to- very popular as a oh leader. very <laughs> very popular. And you
2: know Canada, I got to admit, I got I love our country, and I'd never want to really live anywhere else. But if anybody ever just said, Doug, you've got to choose another country, choose it now. Or I'm going to shoot your dog. I'd go Canada.
3: It's a pleasant like place it. to live. It's beautiful. I just want to clarify again. That's Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Justin, Justin Trudeau. Trudeau. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking Dunesburg here. No, I was talking about Gary Trudeau with my husband last night. All right, there we go. <laughs> um, we have just a minute left, so I wanted to get to this one. The yes. uh, final rise of Skywalker trailer debuted. Uh, yes, la- apparently we just heard in the news last night on Monday night. Well, Football. you were sitting
2: there watching it and mm-hmm. wouldn't share the headphones with oh. me. I mean, I haven't seen it yet.
3: Mm-hmm. It. I have to say, I'm a little. I've got a little bit of Star Wars fatigue. After all, you know, I was raised on the canon, right? the original. And the trailer looks, yeah, you know, the original (laughs) It's all
2: canonized.
3: Right. And the trailer looks fine. Looks like a lot of explosions and some drama. It didn't really grab me.
2: You know, I admitted to something uh, similar, but it was with the superhero movies. I I openly admit to having a little superhero fatigue. I really do. Now, I still enjoy them. I go to them. I, I think I appreciate them. But, oh, my goodness, you know, sometimes and especially when it's not just now one superhero and it's not just like a Superman movie anymore or a whatever movie anymore. It's like you have the whole array. I mean, when they're they're bringing in on the Marvel Universe, Guardians of the Galaxy and everybody else and you go,
3: holy cow,
2: I can hardly keep this straight.
3: Now, once you lose track of – my husband's huge into the superhero movies. I don't even go anymore with him. He takes my kids, and that's it. I can't keep up with – It's going
2: to be big, though, in December. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to what the numbers will be. I have to admit that I'm looking forward because this is – I call them the numbered – as you mentioned, it's in the canon. Mm-hmm. And you know there are the sidetrack movies, but then there are the real deals that, uh, that carry a number – and uh, it'll be interesting to see what it does because the box office is down this year. Yeah. It's down. There's a there's a lot of streaming confusion. There are all kinds of things, uh, prices, everything else, uh, the things you can watch now streaming and on TV immediately. And so uh, the box office is down between 5 and 8%. So I know a lot of exhibitors and a lot of movie uh, companies, including Disney, The Mouse, which by the way is going to launch Disney Plus here on uh, November 12th I think is mm-hmm. is the date for that. So the the world is changing of watching movies and I don't think theaters are ever going away but th- there are those bumps and this this is a bump and when you consider that most of the money that has been made this year has been made on very few titles. There aren't big secondary titles.
3: Yeah, especially sequel after sequel, after yeah. pre- you know. And superhero after superhero, and remakes there, and yeah. Lion king Lion king. Exactly. All right. That's all for today, Doug. You You passed with flying colors. Good job. All right.
2: I want to talk Gary Trudeau. (laughs) I I would love to. All right. Okay. More is coming up on Inside Sources. My friend Boyd Matheson, who is the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, also on the editorial board uh, with me. He was there yesterday with Mark Sanford. I'm interested in the update. We have one of our few brave Republicans actually willing to take on the Trump train in 2020. That's coming up next.
0: I'm Dave Cawley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.
2: Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I was interested in the uh, Deseret News article on the opinion page authored by the Deseret News editorial board. And the headline is, In Our Opinion, Republican Mark Sanford's quest to get the country talking about debt and, of course, you know, where did, where did the conversation go? Boyd Matheson is here with us, the opinion page editor of the Deseret News. Where did that conversation go of years ago? I can remember talking with Mitt Romney about this yeah. and so many people that and at the time it was 17 trillion, you know, just a, a measly a just paltry a, a, a paltry piddling little <laughs> amount, you know, and now what what are we are 23 we, 23 trillion dollars. Oh, <laughs> 23 trillion dollars. And I can remember we were musing about, well, right now we have record low interest rates. Almost I'm negative, think, yeah. Yeah, almost negative in some yeah. cases. And I can remember not just Mitt Romney, but many people saying, imagine right now we're paying point whatever yeah. or point one or point two yeah. or whatever, not point, but uh, zero two We're two percent. We're paying that on the national debt. Imagine when, and it will, go back to- yeah normal normal just
4: just historic averages yeah would would blow things from currently we pay about 200 billion a year in interest right it would put it to over a trillion. A year,
2: in just interest. in the interest payment. If it just goes
4: to, to normal. normal, not a spike, just yeah, normal. We're not
2: we're not talking wacko crazy stuff, you know, right. the, the big age of inflation yeah, when right. we were buying our homes at 14%. Right. Thank, <laughs> thankfully, I never did. But I I, I did pay eight and three yeah. quarter. Yeah. You know? And yeah. now people are saying, boy, if you're paying 4%, you're paying you're too paying much. You're paying too much, yeah. So I wonder about that. So I appreciated the conversation, and you'll back me up on this. I walked out... And uh, you were there with uh, with Mr. Sanford, and I said, boy, today I really regret missing our editorial board meeting. goes, yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> he thought I was kidding, um, but I wasn't. And yeah. I, I obviously was moderating the mayoral debate, yes. but I really wish I could have been in our editorial board. I, I always enjoy editorial yeah. board but yesterday in particular, what what transpired? You know, it, it was a fascinating conversation. Mark Sanford,
4: former governor of South Carolina, former member of the House of Representatives, uh, he has been on this for a long time, and, and he really understands the issue. Uh, I got to know him uh, when I was chief of staff. Uh, we, we took a few really long walks around the Capitol, right. uh, and he's a guy with an interesting past, uh, but uh, turned to his faith and, and uh, is now going across the country on what he knows is a long shots, long shot.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a, the, the darkest of the dark horses.
4: Yeah. Uh, so he knows that. But he said it's worth it if we can start this conversation, That's because right. this is not an if but a when. Uh, the economy is going to cool at some point. And, and it's really interesting. The thing that I appreciated most about Governor Sanford's comments yesterday was that he said what we're really not talking about is how this is going to hurt the poor, and the most vulnerable among us. So he's not talking about the fat cats and the wealthy people and what happens when, you know, this or that happens. Uh, And he actually called out the progressives as well. He said, because if you're really progressive, you're you're worried about justice. There is no greater injustice than passing on this debt to our grandchildren
2: and our grandchildren's children. And he said, that is not progressive. Yeah. Do you remember back in the day when Everett Dirksen would say, boy, a billion here, a billion there? You're talking some serious money. <laughs> yes. Now it's a trillion here. That's right. a trillion there. And yeah. I understand the inflation. We're all making more. We're all paying more for our homes. We're all I, – I get that. But oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean you take that $23 trillion That's right. And you compare it to yeah. national debts. And why is it, Boyd – Explain this to me if you can. (laughs) Why is it that every Republican runs on that they are going to control the debt, they are going to cut spending, they certainly at the very least are going to stop the upward spiral of this, and it grows like crazy. And, And even as much as I loved president reagan mm-hmm. and you but i mean you look at it it kept going it yeah. just keeps going and going it's the energizer bunny but he's jumping higher and higher all the time
4: yeah that's right and it's and it's the really sad part of all of this is because we do have a lot of politicians who who run on that very platform we've got to get yep. this under control uh but the uh, the water in dc does funny things to people yeah,
2: <laughs> that's right they, potomac they, fever
4: yeah they start thinking oh well this is an important program and this is important and this is and everything's important uh but you have to make real decisions and the thing that Mark Sanford is doing on this cross country tour he's doing which is is funny it's very aptly named it's you know like you're going on vacation with your kids right, driving right. across the country and he expl- he described that it took him 12 hours to get here from uh, uh from Denver they had to keep rerouting because of snow yeah but the the theme for the whole drive across the country to have this discussion is kids were broke We're bankrupt, and we don't even know it. Isn't that amazing? And it's
2: an important conversation. We have a soundbite from the conversation yesterday. And uh, tell us, maybe you can put this in context.
4: Yeah, so so after we did the editorial board, we actually had him come down here to KSL, and uh, he and I spent a few minutes just having a conversation. Because I always ask, I want to know, why are you doing this? Why are yeah. you taking all the grief and all the headaches that come with this, especially in this political environment? Right. And he had some funny and very interesting and powerful things for us to think about in what he said. Okay. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News here on KSL News Radio. Very pleased today to be joined by former Governor Mark Sanford from South Carolina, presidential candidate on the Republican side. Governor, welcome to the great state of Utah. A treat to be here. Uh, you are on a cross country. Whirlwind tour. Uh, tell us about it.
5: Yep, yeah, thirty five hundred miles from um, Independence Hall in Philadelphia to outside the Reagan Library in in Los Angeles. And we've dubbed it the uh, kids We're bankrupt and we didn't even know it to <laughs> It's been busy, a lot of stops, uh, uh, 11 states and all those sorts of things between uh, Philadelphia and, and, and Los
4: Angeles. Well, when you announced that you were uh, going to challenge President Donald Trump for the nomination for the Republican Party, uh, you said that this was a, uh, a conversation to start about debt and deficits. Uh, why is that such a critical thing for the country right now? Because
5: that's what kills countries off. Um, We're playing with fire, and nobody's talking about it. Uh, We we're seeing levels of debt and deficit and government expenditure that we've never seen before. Pocketbook issues matter not only in terms of the trajectory of our civilization. I mean, it's telling that Admiral Mike Mullen, a former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a military guy, when asked what's the biggest threat to American security, he answered not the Taliban, not the Russians, not the Chinese. His answer was the American debt. He was right. So. I think it's 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 the giant elephant in the room that nobody's talking about. Uh, on the Democratic side, it's a debate of more versus more. On the Republican side, it's sort of the three monkeys of I hear no evil, I see no evil, I speak no evil. Though, the, though frankly, President Trump, when he ran for office, he said, I'll eliminate the debt if I get in office. I'll eliminate over the eight years I might be in office. He's done just the opposite, and we're not talking about it, and we need to be. So it's important from the standpoint of – our country and where it goes next and it's important from the standpoint of each one of our pocketbooks and wallets.
4: We've been talking a lot about uh, the fact that this is one of those issues debts and deficits as you said a, a big national security threat certainly a, a threat to the prosperity for the next generation for sure. Uh, we've also talked about the fact that uh, with the loudness of the extreme left and the extreme right uh, not only does that create a an appearance of being divided as a country, it also becomes the distraction from having the kinds of conversations you're talking about.
5: Yeah, we're looking at a lot of shiny objects out there that have little to nothing to do with what's going to happen next uh, for our kids, for our grandkids, for, for, our, for our retirement account, for our savings account, uh, for our ability to pursue the American dream. And, you know, the media is, is want toward uh, – At times, looking at shiny objects because they catch people's attention, but this is a bedrock, real simple issue that we got to get right. Uh, Milton Friedman, the noted economist, uh, a long time ago said, was asked, you know, what's the ultimate measure of government? And his response was, what it spends. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I just think let's go back to—it's not the only measure, but it's a pretty important one that we're yeah. not talking about these days because it drives deficits, right? It, which is simply a deferred tax, it drives the tax load that you and I pay. It drives future rates of inflation that are sil- a silent robber of the middle class. It drives the value of our currency. You know, what's the worth of all those hours we put into what we do? And, and what we try and save up to be ready for a rainy day or for retirement or helping our kids, it drives all those things. And again, it's the part we're not talking about in Washington. And I think the president has led us in the wrong direction on this front. What a great opportunity to have
2: uh, Mr. Sanford here at uh, Broadcast House and the editorial board and a chance for you to interview them. We've only got 10 seconds here, Boyd. What was your number one takeaway from your conversation with him? We've got to get to the critical conversations for the future of the country. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that he's on the bankrupt tour. Yeah. That's a little <laughs> sobering, isn't yeah. it? All right, we're going to take a break here at the top of the hour for our news coming up next. A conversation with the uh, former first couple of the state of Utah. We're going to talk with John and Mary Kay Huntsman and of course most recently the ambassador to Russia. And I'll ask the straight up question when we come back. What are you doing back in Utah? That's coming up next here at KSL. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. This is something I've really been looking forward to when I heard that uh, Ambassador Huntsman was going to uh, join us back here in the state of Utah, I thought, gosh, and it just ended up being fortuitous that uh, I was uh, filling in on the air. And we started working on this, and I'm very, very grateful to the Huntsman's for joining us here on KSL today, and to both uh, John Huntsman and Mary Kay Huntsman, thank you very, very much for sharing this time with us. This is like the old days. This is great.
6: Remember that, Doug, in the old days, that program called Let Me Harass the Governor? Let Me harass, harass
2: the, the Governor. <laughs> you know, exactly. And we'd talk potholes and we'd talk all the Get the, the most random stuff. calls. But, you know, yeah. it was
6: a reminder that this is a grassroots uh, uh, job
2: yeah.
6: uh, when you are a governor. And uh, you, you take all incoming and you try yeah. to deal with it, try to solve problems.
2: Well, speaking of that, I promised my listeners that I was going to go for the juggler right off the bat, that inquiring minds back here in the state of Utah and... I want an answer to this one. Are you getting the band back together because it's been a long time since we've had (laughs) wizard music? Or are you simply here to enjoy the dirt biking of Eureka for which you are so famous in the Mm -hmm. Tinnick Mining District?
6: All above, huh?
2: Well, you know, I used, to, I used
6: to pass through Eureka regularly on the way to Delta the, to the motocross track. That's
2: right. And I think I always
6: used to report back on the condition of the town because <laughs> I'd take a little trip down Main Street. It took all of 30 seconds, and then i come back and report back to you on the health and well-being of the citizenry.
2: My neighbor Judy Jones still talks about you dropping in her little convenience store, which, That's by it. the way, she sold. It's under new ownership. Great people now own it. but. She still talks about, Do you remember when Governor Huntsman came in with his son and they were covered with mud? That was so cool. It was great. And the track's still in
6: Delta. And uh, yeah. we're down a few tracks statewide. But anyway.
2: Now, for you, Mary Kay, I mean, you know, we, we need to have Eureka top of list. And, you know, with that Rod Stewart hairdo that he used to have with the Wizards, I think this will be great.
5: Oh,
7: Absolutely. We, we started last week with our dog, Sammy, uh, just driving through the state again. It's just so nice to be here. And uh, Eureka will definitely be on our list very soon.
2: You know, seriously, I, I think about some of the amazing things that you two have done, you know, whether it was, you know, the first ambassadorship that goes back quite a ways or whether it was being ambassador to China. You think in this world that we have today being ambassador to China and Russia I mean how many people have ever done that and I know this is a family experience it used to be you know are you ambassador to Paris or are you ambassador to the court of uh, st. James but uh, now it's it's Russia and China and you two have done it both well it's it's been a great honor to serve it's been a great honor to serve with Mary Kay
6: uh, it, it doesn't uh, happen without carrying certain hardships and sacrifices Uh, You miss people you love. You have to leave people you love. Uh, You miss births of grandkids. Uh, You miss the passing of your father. Uh, A lot of things happen in the name of, of, of public service. But it also gives you renewed confidence and love for the people who do this, whether it's in the military or the foreign service or however they dedicate their lives to something bigger than self. They get out there and they try to solve problems. They try to bring ends to war. They try to settle down a very unsettled world. And that takes uh, time and focus and uh, takes you away from home, and that part I hate. So what we're doing now,
2: I love. I had the opportunity to ask this not only of you, but also of uh, former Governor Levitt as well, and especially with Governor Levitt, when he agreed to become the director of the EPA. That's not exactly the most glamorous job in the world, but ultimately he ended up being the Secretary of Health and Human Services, which was just uh, an amazing position. But I asked both of you. You know what, what? What do you say? I mean, even if it's maybe something like uh, I used to tease former Governor Leavitt about that. I mean, really, you're going to the EPA, and he said, as you said, something very, very similar. It's awfully hard when you're standing there, you know, with the president of the United States, and you're in the Oval Office, and they're saying that your service is needed, and that your country basically requires you. That that's a that's a heady thing to consider.
6: Well, Governor Leavitt is a great public servant, and he was a role model for so many in his generation and beyond. And the state's been blessed with a lot of good public servants like Governor Leavitt, and uh, he's got it about right. I mean, I guess it's easy, you know, philosophically or theoretically to say, oh, if somebody asked me to do this, eh, there's no way I'd do it. But, you know, you find yourself in a period of history where uh, people need to stand up. They need to serve where they can, where they can make a difference. And when your president asks, that's just – that's an ethos I've always been – I've always grown up with. If your president asks you to do, you know, you salute and you do what you can. So, you know, I, I was born in the Navy. And, you know, my dad, my uncles, my grandfathers were both in the Navy. And uh, so talk growing up was always about public service. And their days were always uh, – the days they reflect on most were those when they were serving their country, doing something bigger than self. That always stood out to me early on as being probably uh, among the most important things you can do in life. And so that's carried forward. And now our sons are out serving and uh, doing the same thing. So, you know, when somebody asks, it's like, well, what would my own sons think of me if I said no? That's not that that runs completely contrary to the lessons that I've tried to
2: teach them growing up. I can't imagine serving two different presidents So different to have, first of all, we had President Obama and then to be called to be ambassador to Russia by uh, Donald Trump. I just can't imagine two more different presidents. Can you describe the experience of dealing with both of those very, very powerful men? One, uh, in the case of President Obama,
6: was was a pretty understated, uh, more academically focused president. Read all of his briefing books, uh, was up to speed on the issues, uh, I think tracked a lot of uh, the issue options. Then you go to President Trump, who probably doesn't read all of his briefing books. He goes by his gut, his instincts from being a developer in New York and a very successful developer are completely the opposite of what, what President, where President Obama found himself. So they take, not unlike most presidents, very different approaches to getting work done. Uh, the way they cultivate uh, relationships, the way they deal with uh, foreign leaders, the way they communicate messages back, the way they coordinate their foreign policy. Some are traditionalists. Some basically do it with just a handful of people who they trust. But what is unique, uh, and I wouldn't believe this myself unless I'd experienced it firsthand, is in both cases, China and Moscow, probably the most sensitive areas where we have uh, embassies, you know, you call it behind the en- the enemy line, is The rhythm of work is pretty much the same under a Republican and a Democrat. It's Team America. It's uh, blocking and tackling. It's getting the work of the United States done, which in most cases remains the same. It's promoting American values. It's solving sensitive issues. It's making sure you don't go to war. It's reflecting the best of what America has to offer by where you appear and what you say in the speeches you make. And it's basically, you know, calming stormy seas Mm -hmm. in two very difficult uh, and tumultuous relationships. And it will remain that way. And I've said that uh, repeatedly in both China, in the cases of China and Russia, whether under a Republican or Democrat, regardless of all the beautiful campaign speeches that are made, the future will be a combination of competition, competitiveness, antagonism, Uh, You name it, Uh, we'll we'll, uh, experience every emotion in both of those
2: big power relationships, and we need to be prepared to deal with them in all seasons. Dealing with one president versus the other, did you have a better or a more comfortable or a more communicative relationship with one versus the other?
6: President Obama went through the traditional chain of command uh, as he worked. So that would be, you know, through the national security structure. National Security Advisors, Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, they all kind of play a role in communicating different things. Uh, President Trump is completely unique in that regard. So Mm -hmm. he is a a business person. He's a CEO. You call the shots, you pick up the phone. If you have to call somebody who's five ranks below you, you do that just to get the work done. So he's he's much more communicative, less of the formality of the chain of command and more just picking up the phone and, and asking what your advice would be in mm-hmm. a given situation and then probably not taking whatever advice you give because <laughs> he's got his own yeah. approach to doing things. That's, yeah. you know, that's the way he rolls.
2: Yeah, I've, I've, I've never seen, you know, a president quite like <laughs> President Trump.
6: I, and I think we haven't had one since maybe Andrew Jackson. You've yeah. got to go way back in history to find anybody
2: I, who that raw right. around the edges. Mrs. Huntsman, I have to ask you as uh, as – someone who, you know, is there, uh, you're on the front lines, the the family responsibilities, being right there in, in the trenches with the ambassador to two of the hottest areas of the country. What was it like for you? And what was it like for the family that uh, that you shepherd?
7: Ah, well, you take, you know, the the thoughts of your own family with you when you go and do something like this and you're reminded as you meet all of those in the Foreign Service that they've all left families behind too and they're going through many of the similar things that that we're going through uh, this last time particularly when we had 60 of our diplomats expelled uh, that was with their families uh, 40 cats and dogs with them all out on the tarmac watching them Um, say goodbye, that was a really difficult moment because many of them were expelled, never allowed to come back into Russia again. And having to watch my husband tell them a week before they had seven days to get out that they would have to leave, that was a very difficult moment. And you can't help but put yourself right into their shoes as if your own family as well.
2: Right. How hard was that for you as ambassador when when you know it's just – Tit for tat. I mean, it's just – there's nothing to it. It's just retribution. It's reacting to something. That, that was it. it. was all retribution. It was unprecedented in recent diplomatic history. I mean
6: battleships are supposed to shoot each other. That's what, that's what armies do. Diplomats are supposed to rebuild. They're supposed to preempt war. And if you have war, they're supposed to rebuild. But in this particular case, we were ripping each other down. We were expelling people out of both countries. We were closing consulates. We were cutting embassy staffs, oh. uh, being – downright ruthless to each other. And what you see with these teams, even though they're hundreds in size, whether they are diplomats, uh, intelligence operatives, uh, military uh, experts, management specialists, you name it, uh, embassies have all of the above, and you're the team captain. You've got to manage all of that, and you grow very, very close to these folks. You're in close quarters. The environment in an embassy is very secluded, and you're behind wall after wall after wall. And you become very tight and it is team America. You don't know who's a Republican, who's a Democrat. You know, none of the you're just there to get the work of the country done. And so when you take incoming like that and you have to expel, in some cases, the best assets the United States has in Russian affairs, language wise, relationship wise, regional studies. They've dedicated 30 years of their life to one topic and they're done. they're kicked and never to return it's it's pretty pretty tough and that's the worst you see in diplomacy unfortunately unless your embassy is bombed and gladly we never had that right right
2: we we need to take a break here in a second one quick question because i want to bring the conversation back home here to utah but president george w bush said he looked into vladimir putin's eyes and basically implied he saw good when you looked into vladimir putin's eyes What did you see, Ambassador?
6: Well, I I think I would agree with uh, my old friend John McCain. Uh, You can't help but see KGB or in today's world FSB, which is a successor organization. He was uh, raised, educated, trained as an intelligence operative, and he runs the country just as he was trained. Uh, And that is uh, part of the success of Russia, but also part of uh, its shortcomings and ultimately what I think its failures
2: will be. It's a, a real pleasure to have our former first couple here in the state of Utah, former governor of the state, John Huntsman Jr., with us, the former first lady of our state, Mary Kay Huntsman, with us. We'll take a brief break. When we come back, we'll bring the conversation home here on Inside Sources at KSL News Radio. Inside Sources, Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I've really enjoyed uh, the last uh, several weeks, and for the next several weeks, also filling in back here on KSL News Radio in a talk show position. And I never dreamed I'd have this opportunity to have uh, John and Mary Kay Huntsman uh, join me on the program. To just talk issues, uh, we, we did a lot of shows in the past, and whether it was Let Me Speak to the Governor or Boy, whether it sure was have. something else, and I've just always appreciated it. We've logged a lot of hours, Doug. We have <laughs> logged a lot of hours. I'd like to bring the conversation home to Utah, and I, I teased a little bit at the beginning of, uh, you know, back in Utah, so what's the plan? But what, what is the plan? A lot of people, honestly, are hoping that you'll run for governor again. Uh, some people are wondering if maybe there's something future, whether you'd be presidential candidate again. I can remember a conversation that you and I had when you were running. I remember a, a Harley ride that we took, you know, when you were running for uh, president back then. What What is the future? And I'll ask this of, of both. Mary Kay, I'm going to ask you first, if, if I could. So what's the future for this little uh, Huntsman clan of yours here in Utah?
7: I wish I knew Uh, we just got back two weeks ago and just getting over all the jet lag and, and the emotions of it all. It really was, it was emotional coming back. Um, we love the state so much and we immediately got in our car and just started driving. Uh, we took our dog Sammy and, And uh, just thought we are so happy to be home. So that's all I can tell you at this point is being back home. This is home. It's home for our family. Even though our kids are spread out doing different things, uh, they want to be here in Utah. My parents are here. John's sweet mother is here. Uh, This is just home and our friends and family. So I don't know what's next. All I know is that we are here to stay in Utah.
2: And and I'll ask this of uh, our former governor Huntsman: Do you know how much my stock would go up here right now if you just declared <laughs> and just got it over with? Uh, I know
6: Lisa Riley Roche is hanging out in the back room waiting for. Well, something whenever
2: like she's that. lurking about, I, I know I've got somebody important in here. So. She's the best; nobody better than Lisa. Uh,
6: it, Mary Kay said it about right. It was such a great honor to serve before. And and here's the analysis you should go through without you know sounding hokey. You know, when you lose a parent, and in this case, when I lost my dad, yeah, you know, it was the first time I really thought about, you know, your remaining years left to do something productive because your parents are going to live forever after all. And when you lose one of them, in in this case, my dad, it's like, okay, well, how much time do I have left? And you know, how many productive years? And And in those years, what matters most to you beyond family? What do you value most? And for us, it was, well, public service has always been something we've really believed in. The most enjoyable part of public service was serving here as governor because you can solve problems, you help to strengthen communities, and you pursue life, liberty, and happiness for the great population of the most beautiful state on earth. And and so as we were going through the analysis, it was, okay, I've lost my dad. You got two sons deployed. I got diagnosed with melanoma. But thank goodness, only stage one. So you, you begin to think even more about how you can be productive, not waste time, but do something that really is meaningful and not to you but to other people. And then grandkids come along and you say, "Okay, the future really does matter." We thought it did before, and now it's more relevant than ever. And uh, and all of that has taken us to where we are right now, and that is hopefully in the next. Uh, Probably two weeks from now, we'll we'll have an answer on that, and you're very kind. I'll still that, be though. on the air, by the way, at that, at that time. <laughs> hey, so, uh, Mike, cut a would you make mm-hmm. the appointment mm-hmm. right now? <laughs> yeah, let's okay. Cut a, cut a deal <laughs> on that, Doug. But you, 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 you don't think about this without, first of all, you know, standing pretty humbly thinking this was such an awesome thing to do, carrying the wishes and aspirations of the people who voted for you, and even those who didn't, who you still represent, because that's, right. that's what you do as governor. You represent everybody. Uh, and where you have to stop and think, can you be of value or are you going to be just weight that doesn't matter much to the future? Then you stop to say, OK, we've been involved in this debate and that debate. You know, we've helped here and there. And we're riding on the shoulders of people like Mike Levitt and Nolene Walker and Gary Herbert. I mean, we've had some really good governors. And uh, if there's something that you can add to the debate that will help to facilitate the one issue that matters most – which is growth and how we deal with it, make no mistake about it, then
2: maybe you should be in the mix. But that's the discussion we're having. And we'll conclude that in the next two weeks. I heard you say many times uh, with with me on the air, I, I heard in speeches. I know the the Huntsman Awards for teachers and so on. Uh, quite often at the Hinckley Institute, I was honored to be asked to to speak at some of the uh, the gatherings they had when the teachers were not in the classroom. And I remember you saying that your grandfather used to say that uh, teaching is the most honorable of professions or something yeah. to that effect. Have yeah. You ever thought of teaching? Either of you? I'll ask that of both of you.
6: Mary Kay would be absolutely the best. Uh, tr- truth, truth be told, I did teach a class uh, at the university uh, here probably 25, almost 30 years ago in foreign policy. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, ta- I tagged taught with a fellow by the name of Pat Shea. Oh, I know Pat. Uh, you know sure. Pat. And, Absolutely. And Pat and I taught uh, an upper division foreign policy class, and it was great yeah. except grading the papers. Oh, <laughs> then I was reminded I don't think I want to do this. Yeah,
2: yeah, because teachers only work you know seven or eight hours a day, and they have all summer off. Yeah, <laughs> I I was just on the the uh, the uh, Envision Utah Teacher Compensation uh, Committee, and. That actually came up once, and I just bristled because I come from a family of educators. And I said, anybody that thinks teachers have all summer off, yes, they have a little bit in there, but oh, my goodness. And anybody thinks they only put in seven hours a day. No chance. No chance and at all. what we expect of teachers these days. Mrs. Huntsman, how about you?
7: I don't know that I've got the patience for it. I feel like I'm, I'm always <laughs> the one that needs to be taught. <laughs> so uh, probably not. Uh the only thing I could do is maybe teach some of the the mistakes we've made along the way uh you know raising kids and yet they've actually come out okay and yeah. so sometimes you you've you go through many of those mistakes and you you find that they you know, learn from those things and move on. And maybe there are some areas there where I could be helpful.
2: Are we good um, for one more quick segment to talk about sure, some of the issues sure, in the state? Sure, whatever you like. See, I always ask them on the air, what are they going to do? No, Doug, we got to go. So you know, that's, that's another trick There's of the There's no tray. ejection lever on this seat. Yeah. <laughs> there is on this one, by the way, over here. We'll take a uh, brief break here. When we come back, I do want to talk about some of the issues. And the legislature right now is discussing even some of the Things that uh, were accomplished during the Huntsman administration, like the uh, sales tax on food and and some other issues. So we'll talk with the uh, Huntsmans about that here on the uh, inside. Uh, I always want to say "Inside uh, Edition" because that's another show, but "Inside Sources" here at KSL. Inside
1: sources. Inside sources on
2: KSL News Radio. It is really a pleasure to have uh, John and Mary Kay Huntsman here with us. Uh, recently back, of course, from Russia. Before that, uh, in China. Before that, the governor of the great state of Utah. Also, a little sidetrack there of running for a little office known as the president of the United States. Do we have of to talk about America? That? We all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've got a few, but I'm not going to fess up right now. Here and there, I wanted to talk about some of the things that are happening in the state of Utah right now. We are ramping up for a big political season, all of our congressional seats. We don't have a, a senatorial seat up, but we do have the governor's seat this up. I mean, right now we have a huge uh, mayoral race going on here in Salt Lake City. I moderated that debate yesterday. But as we, we look at the 2020 season, as we look at the upcoming legislative session, there are some things. When I think of your administration – I think of, of several things. I think of the income tax reduction. I think of the four-day state work day, work week, rather. I think of the reduction on sales tax in food. I think of some of the progressive things that happened with liquor laws. And I think of uh, even the, the outreach and some of the progress. I think that the foundation was laid for the LGBTQ community. Uh, those are just a few of the things that I think of and recall as I reflect on the, the time you served as a governor and first lady. Uh, already the, the four-day week work week went away. I still think that's a good idea, by the way. Uh, income tax reduction is still in place, although that's been discussed as we've talked about funding uh, more uh, money for education. But uh, at this point, it's still in place. But what seems to be in most jeopardy right now is the sales tax on food. What are your thoughts on this? Now, th- there are some uh, things that are being discussed to accommodate those who are perhaps in a lower socioeconomic uh, situation. But how do you feel about that being discussed right now? Well, f- first of all, tax reform
6: is a very complicated undertaking. I mean We learned that. It took us two years when we thought we could get it done quickly, which is pretty comprehensive tax reform when we brought about the flat tax and the double weighting of uh, the business tax. A few other things to modernize and update the tax code. These are never easy things to do, there are some things that bring together a bipartisan coalition, which I think is important to do every now and again. In fact, now it's more important than ever just to show that the system can work with, uh, with all kind of uh, uh, philosophies represented. And the sales tax on food was one such example where we brought together a coalition of Republicans, Democrats, and, and, and all those in between because of what it did uh, to help uh, certain segments of the population. Uh, it wasn't uh, a, a big ask uh, from a budgeting standpoint, yet what it delivered was access to more affordable food, uh, particularly for vulnerable populations. And I think that was uh, very important to those who were behind it at the time. And so far as I can tell, that need has not changed, maybe only increased. So as tax reform is looked at, you know, you have to take a few things in mind. and you, you start with do no harm, you know, the Hippocratic Oath. And then you say, okay, what is it doing to education? Because that clearly is going to have to be a paramount uh, um, funding priority going well into the future. Second, what does it do to your competitive stature as a state? Third, how does it compare to what other states in the neighborhood are doing. So what drove us toward tax reform before is that we're surrounded by a lot of states with very preferential tax rates, Mm -hmm. and it was attracting capital. It was attracting talent, and they were able to grow their economies in ways that uh, were better than our ability to do that. So in a hyper-competitive environment, when we're competing not just against Nevada and Colorado and Arizona and Idaho – but against other countries like uh, like Singapore, for example. Right. Uh, you really have to be top of your game. So you approach tax reform with the idea that you, there are a few things you want to accomplish. You don't want to do harm. You want to protect and enhance your ability to pay for world-class
2: education, and you
6: have to remain competitive. Uh,
2: Just uh, last week, and it, it actually aired uh, on Sunday, or it will air the this uh, upcoming Sunday. Pardon me. It was a conversation that I had with Senator Lyle Hilliard and also Representative Francis Gibson, and they're working on some of these, and these issues. And they're terrific. They're yeah. terrific, public servants. And the challenges that we have when we are modifying a, a, a tax system, and it was interesting to talk with both of them. And taxing services, they gave a statistic, and I wish I could just uh, boot it up right now, but the amount of money we, or percentage of the state budget we used to get from sales tax mm-hmm. versus the percentage we get now, and that includes the gasoline tax. I mean just even with the F-150 that I owned you know, five years ago versus the F-150 I'm driving now, uh, which I've owned for five or six years, there, there's a 15 percent difference in its fuel economy. So I'm paying 15 percent less in gasoline tax just that alone not to mention other efficiencies so that number has gone dramatically down other things have gone dramatically down is taxing services in your opinion the answer oh something has to be looked at because
6: of the reorientation of our economy of course it has to be looked at the answer is a little more elusive i'm not sure where i would pinpoint an answer right now but it certainly has to be looked at but it also speaks to how important the uh... uh, how we structure our economy going forward and the diversity of our economy. How are we deriving revenue sources? Is it uh, Are we a consumer-based economy or are we more of a manufacturing-based economy? So I was out, you know, in our, uh, in our Silicon Slopes Valley area just this morning uh, talking to uh, some technology leaders. And, you know, so what does it take to bring more investment so we can have a stable foundation of revenue yeah. because you've got people making things and inventing things to offset, you know, so is, uh, the diminution in revenue from, from, from maybe the retail side. And it was really instructive to hear what they have to say because it's all pretty uniform and it all comes down to one thing, quality of life. We want to bring in more. Uh, the reason we came in the first place was quality of life. It was, uh, it was good schools. It was focused on STEM. But what we're looking at now are real concerns around air quality. Uh, around transportation options, around the diversity of STEM students, because that is the hiring pipeline that a lot of these technology companies will rely on. So there's so much that goes into tax reform writ large and how we look at our revenue base and how we're going to begin to continue paying the bills going forward,
2: because it certainly isn't going to look like how we've done it in the past. You just sparked a memory when you mentioned Silicon Slopes. Mm -hmm. You were the first or among the very first and certainly in the in the most prominent and highest position in the state to suggest that the Utah State Prison be moved. Right. And I remember it just had no traction at right. that time, but I I remember thinking that's got to happen someday yeah. and it has happened. What's your reaction to that? Well, it it will happen and uh,
6: in its place you will see Draper becoming uh, our city center of the Salt Lake Valley in 50 years. You're going to see uh, one continuum from downtown where we sit today all the way out to Draper. It's going to be a corridor of growth and how we grow uh, and the quality of life that we maintain, the air, the water, our transportation options are all going to be in the balance. All of a
2: sudden, so many things are Mm -hmm. popping to mind, including the uh, natural gas corridor up I-15. Remember that one? All all these things (laughs) that that we talked about. If I could just ask a final question of, of you both, and as you look at the future of Utah, you know, first of all, where do you see some of our greater, greatest opportunities or maybe the greatest opportunity? And do you see any dark clouds on the the horizon at all? And maybe I could ask you, as the former first lady of the state of Utah looking at the, uh, the fabric of our society, what, what do you see as our great opportunities?
7: Uh, one of them that I've noticed since we've been back is the homeless uh, situation as I drive down the street that yeah. – I think it's got to be a, a huge problem to continue to, to work on. Um, this is a very ideal place for people like that to come in and and um, feel welcome, but it's it's a really tough thing when you see that going up and down the streets. Um, you know, going back to uh, what John was just talking about, the, the prison, I was thinking about, you know, it's easy to just say, don't change things, but I think one of the things that I... Admire about him is the is the the risks sometimes that he takes to uh, to do something, and if he says he's going to do it, it, it happens usually. And he's got a vision and a dream, and I think that's what we saw when he was governor. There were several things like that that might, at the time, people would have thought, "This will never happen." But to come back and see that, for example, um, actually happening shows that things can can happen if you you know decide to do it
2: and go for it. As you look at the state of Utah, where are our greatest uh, is, what is our greatest opportunity? And perhaps, is there a dark cloud on the horizon? We've always bunched way above
6: our weight, Doug, uh, as a state. And um, it's now not state against state. It's, we're state against the rest of the world. This is, this is how quickly globalization has transformed the environment in which we live. Our greatest opportunity, I believe, is setting an example for how a community, a society, a successful society can function Freedom, civil society, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness are all kind of wrapped up here. The Chinese are looking. The Indians are looking. The Russians are looking. Everyone's looking around the world for models of success. That's our greatest opportunity. I believe if we do what we've always done and are ahead of the game, we can be an example for the rest of the world. The downside is if we fall behind the growth curve, we will never catch up. We'll be in Maricopa County will be a Clark County, we'll be a Southern California, and you spend all your resources and political fights that are all about trying to catch up to where you were before. So incumbent upon us will be how do we stay ahead of the growth curve as opposed to falling behind? That's the dark cloud, coupled with an economic
2: downturn which no doubt is lurking at some point out there. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this opportunity to chat with both of you. And, uh, Mike, have we made that appointment for two weeks from (laughs) now? What a pleasure. Thank you. Live from Eureka. Live from Eureka. You know, I actually did. That was on my bucket list when I was wrapping up the old Doug Wright show. I I put together a bucket list, and one was to do a live show from Eureka. We did. It was at the Tindic uh, School District headquarters. Senator Mike Lee came down for Mike that, Lee. and it was, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he I, I always remember you walking through these very doors. Well, Mike me, was great. We let me speak to the years. governor. and He was just in Moscow a few months ago. Yeah, came over. and often Mike was there with you, and yeah. Terrific team. Some great memories to Terrific Thank team. you. Doug, what thank a pleasure. You. John Huntsman, Mary Kay Huntsman, thank you so much for joining us here on Inside Sources. Let's go ahead and take a break. We've got much more coming up, including a conversation with Lieutenant Matt Pennington. What happens when you blow past a school bus when the lights are flashing and the little stop arms are down? We'll find out. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Yesterday we talked about this on Inside Sources and it's a real concern. People that are just blowing by our school buses. Uh Lonnie Harden was our guest yesterday, and she is from the southern part of our state. And uh, she happened to mention that the discussion about having even cameras on school buses uh, that would be able to identify who the driver is, kind of like those uh, when you blow through a stop sign or a, a red light in some areas where, you know, there's no denying it's you. There's a picture of you right behind the wheel, and there is also a very clear image of your make, model, and your license plate number. Some are suggesting that that's the answer. I know out in the Jordan School District, they are doing that right now. But yesterday, I asked the question of our guest, well, what what are the penalties? And she implied, boy, they're not serious enough. They're not enough right now. But I thought, well, let's check in with law enforcement today and uh, from the uh, – which which department again? I'm, I'm trying to recall. South Jordan. Pardon I almost said West Jordan. From uh, the South Jordan Police Department, we have Lieutenant Matt Pennington, who is joining us right now. Lieutenant, thank you for joining us so much today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Doug. Let's talk about what the penalties are, and then we'll talk a little bit about kind of the principle behind it and how serious a crime this, uh, or infraction, almost a crime, it is to do. What happens if I were to blow past... A school bus with the lights flashing, the little stop arms down. I saw one of those yesterday when I was going home. It was ironic after the conversation. Mary Kay Huntsman was saying just moments ago that as she was listening to the program yesterday, she went to a bus and she saw somebody right in front of them. What is the penalty for blowing through the this school bus uh, uh, warnings?
8: So so you are correct, it is a traffic violation, so it is considered uh, an infraction through the state, which there's a uniform bell schedule when it comes to all those things. Now, there there is an enhancement when it's either speeding in a school zone or in this case going past a a bus that stops with its lights or stop bar out. Your initial penalty is a $150 fine, Um, but the state did take it one step further as opposed to most traffic violations. That this isn't the case with the school bus arm violations, it is enhanced. So, meaning, if you have a second conviction or a third conviction within a three-year period, your fine can be up to five hundred and seventy dollars.
2: Five hundred and seventy dollars, as a police officer, it's pretty yes.
8: substantial for yeah. a traffic violation. I mean, maybe not enough, but that's a fairly significant fine.
2: As a police officer, somebody who is sees this. What, what goes through your mind when when you see somebody blow through, when the bus is stopped, the arms are down, the lights are flashing? What goes through your mind as a law enforcement officer?
8: Well, it's obviously a little concerning. I mean, clearly there's a couple things at play. You're not paying attention to what's going on, or you're just blatantly disregarding it, and it's not important enough to stop. But what people don't realize is that arms out because kids are either Getting off or on the bus, you know, they often put it out early because the drivers have realized people aren't obeying this consistently. So, luckily, some drivers are heads up enough to get it out early. But Mm -hmm. sometimes they stop, and that arm doesn't come out until the door opens, which means kids are leaving. And just a a couple years ago, you know, there was a tragic accident here in South Jordan uh, with a child and another bus. Now, granted, the stop arm wasn't out, but the bus was stopped on the side of the road, and that's. That's the tragedy, right? It only takes one child, and it's that's too
2: many. Losing, you know, the UDOT has the slogan when it comes to fatalities on our highways that uh, it's zero. Zero is the only acceptable number, and having any child hurt or killed, it, it's just ap- anything short of zero is unacceptable. How often, when you talk to other officers and you kind of get with your colleagues. Is this becoming an increasing problem? Uh, Yesterday, as I talked with our guest, she indicated that she really believed it was and was blaming distracted uh, driving more than anything.
8: Yeah, you know, I don't have the, the solid numbers to say that it's increasing or decreasing. I will say that what we do know is violations occurring due to distractions are increasing, and that's, you know, universal with traffic violations. And so, the assumption, though, that it's increasing with bus violations, I would say, is probably pretty accurate. But we have all these things going on, you know, not to mention the obvious distractions, phones, but you got talking on the phone, doing your makeup, listening to the radio, changing the radio. There's all this stuff going on in your vehicles these days that we just didn't have 20, 30 years ago that are distracting people. Yeah. And what you've got to realize is, you know, even at 30 miles an hour, it's going to take you half a football field, to look up, realize there's somebody in front of you, apply the brake and get the vehicle stopped. And
2: by that time, it's too late. You mentioned that uh, some of the bus drivers, uh, it would be wise to have the lights flashing in advance of actually stopping, have the little stop arms down before the bus actually stops, and certainly the doors open. But what are the rules of thumb? Let's say somebody is a brand new bus driver, they're a little late on, on the trigger on the lights and so on. What should be the protocol? When you see a school bus coming to a stop, and especially if it's at the time of day when you might reasonably expect kids to get on or off the bus, what should be the protocol for the drivers?
8: So the drivers, you can you can look that up online at, the, at UDOT's website, but the general rule of thumb is, is if it's a two- or three-lane road, whether it's a center lane or not, and the stop arms are out, you have to stop in both directions. The only exception to that would be is if you're on a five-lane road or a four-lane road with a divided barrier, then the only um, lanes that need to stop is the same direction as the bus. But that's only a five-lane road, or if there's a positive divider in the road, like a a highway with a barrier, right? But if it's a one lane each direction with a turn lane, both directions have to stop. If it's a two-lane road, they absolutely have to stop.
2: Lieutenant, with the the school district in your area, the Jordan School District, now putting some cameras on the buses, I, can they ever be used other than yeah. evidence?
8: Yeah, yeah. So the state passed a law in 2017, as opposed to what you were talking about previously with like the FODAR radar, mm-hmm. photo traffic enforcement, which you know the state flirted around with in the early '90s and then got rid of again. You know, all of that we cannot do. However, they passed a law in regards to the school bus stop violations, we can absolutely use the recorded video as evidence. And we've been doing that, you know, since its inception in 2017. We've received nearly a dozen reports from the school district that have good quality video that we've been able to track back to a driver, positively identify them, and either issue them a citation or depending on how severe the violation is, you know, maybe a warning we decided was prudent. But we've had nearly a dozen that have been reported to us that we've followed up on and investigated due to the video.
2: I really wonder how many school districts will uh, continue in that area. Jordan, obviously, is participating now. How many more will consider putting the uh, the cameras for that purpose on their buses? I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us today. This is such an important issue, and with some of the information that we got yesterday, from our guest. I thought it would be very, very wise to talk with law enforcement. And, Lieutenant, thank you for your time today. Of course, thank you. Lieutenant Matt Pennington with us here at KSL News Radio from the South Jordan Police Department. And we have much more coming up on Inside Sources. As a matter of fact, as I look at the schedule, we are going to be talking about the 10th Circuit Court actually at Utah State University today. Now, why are they there? And apparently, a real court case is transpiring. We'll get the lowdown on that coming up next. Inside sources. Inside sources on KSL News Radio. You know, Halloween is just around the corner, and honestly, this is one of my favorite times of uh, year. I've mentioned this before. I I not only love fall in general, but uh, it's. Birthday is in this month. I don't know, uh, but D and I have an anniversary. As a matter of fact, it's coming right up on the twenty fourth. And I love Halloween. I just love Halloween. So I think that we need to talk about. And I love pets too. As people who have listened to me over the years, you know, I'm I'm very attached to my little hounds and my my son and I. Uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> I've joked about this. Winston, the uh, desert tortoise, has two daddies. Uh, Ian and I adopted him all properly with papers, everything. He's chipped and everything. but uh, So we love pets. Everything from our dogs. I'm, I haven't had a cat for a long time, but my dogs especially. Now, Winston, the desert tortoise, often at this time of year, kind of depends on the temperature, is in a degree of hibernation. <laughs> but What do we do about our pets when we have this kind of thing going on in our society? We have the spooky things going on. We have strangers coming up to our doors. They are in costumes. Often they have masks, certainly makeup, and they're traipsing around the neighborhood. Things change during the Halloween season, and we are delighted to welcome a Special guest, Deanne Shepherd, who is the Director of Marketing and Communications, and she is here with us from the Humane Society, and thank you for joining us on very short notice. We got this press release from you, and we thought, well, you know, we have a little opening here. We ought to talk with Deanne about this. Welcome to the program.
9: Thanks for having me.
2: Okay, what do we need to worry about? You know, when when we have the 4th of July, the 24th of July, sometimes even at the beginning of the year when fireworks are going on, that freaks a lot of animals out. Do we have somewhat the same effect with Halloween? What's the deal?
9: Definitely the same effect when you change up your pet's routine and their normal situation that they're in all of a sudden you have new things that can be scary to them. And the best thing to do is to bring your pet, if they're regularly outside, inside, even to your garage or in a safe place in your home where they can be in an inside room with their toys and their blankets and maybe some music playing to comfort them. What that will do is help to avoid them being scared by kids walking through the neighborhood in their costumes, um, making loud noises, and sometimes you even want to avoid kids doing pranks that could harm your pet. But when you're opening the door to trick-or-treaters, the last thing you want is for your dog to bolt out the door because it's scared and go missing and get lost. Make sure your pet is wearing its ID collar and even has a microchip where your information is updated in case that does happen. But to prevent that from happening, just keep them inside where they're safe.
2: You know, it's interesting you'd mention their routines. Uh, they're, they're very much like human beings in that regard, and even more so because they do have their routines and their yeah. normalcy and things that they count on. And when they get out of a familiar situation, I notice it with my dog Dagmar especially. Uh, June just kind of rolls with the punches, our little Boston pug dog. But Dagmar, she she can really freak out. She'll actually sit there, and sometimes I'm afraid people are going to think that maybe she's had a hard home life she may have before we adopted her from the pet rescue organization. What are they, what are they called, pets? It's up in Sand Peak County anyway. Uh, rescue Rovers. Rescue Rovers, that's where we got uh, Dagmar. But if she gets freaked out, she'll just sit there and kind of quake if she gets to that point. Otherwise, she might bark, and she'll even take a nip every now and then.
9: Exactly. Dogs, a lot of times, if they were not socialized to new stimuli when they were young, it can be very frightening to them when they're older. And it's not that they were, you know, like you said, maybe abused or neglected and had something frightened them. They just have never encountered this new situation or person before. So some dogs, when they're scared, will cower and find a place to hide, or they may use their defense, which is that barking and nipping, to protect themselves. So again, to keep people safe that are visiting your home, those trick-or-treaters, keep your dog you know, away from them into a room, but also to prevent from stressing your dog out with all those costumes that are so new to them they've never seen before.
2: Here's something that I had not even considered and I was looking over your press release and it's right at the very, very top and it said keep your pets away from the candy and especially the <laughs> The chocolate you know i i don't know how many people this has happened to but this this has happened to us where we we left some butter out on the table <laughs> and the whole and it was practically a whole square of butter and i'm not quite sure which dog it got through but uh I, i'm sure if we did a little research we could probably find out in the backyard but oh my goodness i couldn't believe it but chocolate is not good especially for dogs yeah,
9: we never recommend changing your your dog's proper diet. Give them the food that has been nutritionally balanced for them. You don't ever want to give table scraps or human food. It's not healthy for them. There can be a lot of sugar and salt in human food. But when you talk about candy, chocolate is not something that is easily digested by a dog, especially dark chocolate. And a lot of candy that's sugar-free has something called xylitol, which can also be toxic to dogs in high levels. So just keep your dog away from the candy, away from even decorations that are new to them. They might want to go up and want to chew on the pumpkin or chew on the (laughs) corn on the cob that is, you know, decorative. It's a new toy for them. And if they ingest it, it could potentially block their GI tract and lead to some very expensive vet care. So keep, you know, your dog almost like baby-proofing your home for your dog when all of these new decorations. And candy is put out for the holidays.
2: You just brought something to mind. This, <laughs> I got a panic phone call from my my daughter at uh, Christmas time, and her dog Rourke, who it, it, he looks like he's evolving into kind of a hyena. He he's the junkyard dog. He really is. <laughs> Rourke, we all love him. He's got a little underbite. He really is. He's the junkyard dog, and he had eaten ribbon. And, oh no! Oh my goodness! And it, it, you could you could basically see it on both ends, and <laughs> we we we, uh, we were so concerned. We have a great vet. The vet helped us out with that. But that is pretty disconcerting, some yeah. of the things that a dog will consume and what ends up with that but a r- ribbon was, was the worst. And they actually told us at the time that can be very serious if it gets kind of... It
9: kinda... could. It, it definitely could. It <laughs> Fortunately, could it wasn't. And lead, yeah, to some very, um, very frightening situation because you may not know what the problem is if the GI tract is blocked and they're sick and you really don't know why so even a lot of toys that dogs can start to chew apart and get the stuffing out of if they ingest that yeah. they can build up and block their tract so that comes to mind with decorations or costumes anything that you're putting on your dog that's new it's a new toy for them and if you put your dog in a costume you always want to supervise them never leave them unattended yeah. or they may start to pull pieces of that costume off and ingest it or potentially get strangled up in inside of it, you know, get their their arm kind of caught up inside. You don't want anything to choke them. So if your pet is comfortable enough with putting a costume on, do so. um, Easily make sure the dog has full range of motion and you're supervising them the entire time. But if your pet is a little scared when you try to put a costume on, please don't force the dog or cat to right. wear that costume. It's just going to stress them out more. They're going to get more scared. And, again, you don't want them to, to use those teeth to yeah. bite and nip to protect themselves when they're that stressed.
2: Okay, Deanne, so, yeah. we're, we're friends. Can I ask you, are you familiar with Doug the Pug? Yes, yes. <laughs> My wife loves Doug the Pug. I <laughs> I can't figure out how in the world they get that dog to do some of the things that he does and wear some of the stuff he does. Is it a good idea to dress up your dogs?
9: You know, if he tolerates it, sure. And that's something. If you want to dress your pet up in a costume, you can get the costume ahead of time and you can make it a very positive experience for your dog. Give your dog lots of treats when the costume's near it, let him smell it. Put it on slowly, and if they tolerate it, give them lots of treats so it becomes a positively reinforced experience. And then they may get more accustomed to wearing it. But if it's a novel thing where you just put the costume on and it's scary to the dog, they won't tolerate it well, and that's when you can you know, really stress
2: your pet out. and I really appreciate you joining us today. Sure. I've got these images of Doug the Pug in my <laughs> mind now. The only thing that we put on our little pug on Junebug is uh, a sweater sometimes in the mm-hmm. winter. Uh, and uh, she she's pretty styling. The kids just go crazy because she sits right in front of the garage. She looks kind of like a little gargoyle anyway. And she sits right on her bottom with all of her feet sticking out. And she's wearing her sweater. <laughs> she's She's quite the rage in our neighborhood. <laughs> Very good. Um, what can yeah, it's I a say? fun
9: time of year, just make sure to keep your pets safe and happy and try not to scare them unintentionally. Also, when you're taking your dog outside, you know, you go to those stores that have those big mechanical, frightening skeletons and ghouls yeah. that are moving and making noise, and that can really scare your dog, too. So just kind of be conscious about where you take your pet, whether out in public or at home during this time of year.
2: I'm assuming these tips are on your website?
9: They are, yes.
2: And the website is? Is org. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. From the Humane Society, she is the Director of Marketing and Communication. All right, let's take a brief break. We've got more coming your way. And why in the world is the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, why are they in the state of Utah? Why are they at USU? Why are they in? Well, apparently they're pretty popular because the proceedings that they are doing, real court stuff... It's sold out. What's going on? We'll find out. Inside sources.
1: Inside sources
2: on KSL News Radio. <laughs> we have just been comparing pet notes here. Uh, our producer just adopted a new pet from the Humane Society this past weekend. Is that right, Robin? Yeah. You know, there's something, and any, any dog is, is wonderful. But uh, in our family, at least with Dee and with me. Uh, we we always go to either the Humane Society a shelter. I mentioned that uh, our dog Dagmar came from Rescue Rovers, and there's just something about the the soul of a rescued dog. They are just amazing. They truly are, and they become such an important part of your life. On my old radio show, you might have heard me talk about our fat boy, and that little dog. Uh, we we lost him uh, about a year and a half ago, and. I still miss that little beast. Uh, he was just just such a, an, just a part of our, our lives, and we kind of in, inherited him. He was a little—we're uh, not quite sure what his lineage was, but uh, they, they just become a part of your life. So as we approach the Halloween season, just be conscious of the fact that uh, Halloween's not only a little uh, spooky and scary to humans, it can be very spooky and very scary to our pets as well. Okay, so I saw this story earlier today and it was uh, of course our our great producer pointed it out to me and I thought what in the world is is going on here. We, you know, often we talk about the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, often in the state of Utah we talk about the 9th Circuit Court of Appeals down in California and there are varying opinions on some of the decisions over the years. But I saw this, and it said, uh, you might already know about this, but the U.S. 10th Circuit Court, usually in Denver, will be holding court at Utah State University today. They're hearing real cases, and then this is kind of what sold me on making it a topic on the show today, and it is sold out. And I went, what? Uh, So... And we made some phone calls to the 10th Circuit, and I think they're going to be joining us tomorrow. Is that uh, correct? Yeah, tomorrow we'll actually talk with someone from the 10th Circuit. But immediately, I thought of uh, Michelle Quist. Uh, We have talked with her before on this program. We have tapped into her expertise, her legal expertise, and also uh, her time at the 10th Circuit when she was clerking there. And, Michelle, thank you so much for taking our call today. You're welcome. Good to be here. So what the heck is going on? You know, first of all, <laughs> I, I, you know, the the idea of having the 10th circuit here in Utah rather than in Denver, having them right. the, at one of our greatest schools, but not the school that is best known for its its law school, certainly. Right. And what right. the heck are they doing?
10: <laughs> they're spreading the love. They are just, you know, they're they're educating the population and the citizens about what they do and their um, and they're, you know, giving credit to Utah and to the people of Utah. Yes, they have visited BYU Law School and held arguments there. And they've been at the University of Utah and held arguments there. And, you know, I, when I saw that they were going up to Utah State, I thought what a great opportunity for um, citizens in northern Utah to, to have that experience. It's not often that people can go and hear a live um, appellate court argument. It's, yeah. it's, it's a really great op- opportunity.
2: You know, I feel like such a dolt. I don't, I didn't know that they even even did this. I thought they were all yes. just safely ensconced in the robes <laughs> and everything there in the hallowed halls of the 10th Circuit oh. in Denver and uh, never the twain shall meet. And they're right here in Utah.
10: They're very of the people. And, you know, the, the judges don't all live in Colorado. So the, the many judges on the court, they live in the states you know, from where they're appointed. We have Judge Matheson here. You know, I worked for, um, I clerked for Judge McKay. He's a senior judge. His chambers are here. And so there are judges in, in, in Utah. There are clerks in Utah. There are cases that come from Utah. And I think it's a good, um, you know, it, it's more than just marketing and education. I think it's really an outreach from the court to say, um, we know that you're affected. We we want you to know that we you know we know where you are and and we want to be with you. And, and I think it's a it's a great thing that they do.
2: You know, every time I I, I start to think, well, you know, I I kind of know the drill. I I learn something new, and this is mm-hmm. totally off my radar. And and you know, it makes some real sense to to make it more yeah. personal. To make it, this isn't just some nebulous place that is over in you know Denver, Colorado. This. This is something that affects us all. We certainly know that. But it's something, too, that that can come to us. Now, how does the actual case work? Because, you know, I I picture lawyers making arguments and cases being presented and the whole thing. So how is it inconvenient or do they time it for something that is pertinent and convenient to hold in Utah?
10: Um, it's not necessarily convenient as to Utah other than, you know, it might be a a Utah case, but I think it's just, you know, it's, it's the same process as it would be otherwise. They go through the long briefing schedule. They are scheduled for argument, you know, months out. Um, of course the difference, the only difference being that the, the argument is scheduled for, um, a place that's other than denver um sometimes the court sits outside of its typical argument and it's called you know they call it special um i forget special sessions or special you know schedules and you know they're in the 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 states other than other than colorado so they go to kansas and new mexico and utah and um it's just a way to to Educate people, but it's the same process. The arguments still have the same. The the lawyers still have the same amount of time to argue. The judges are still questioning.
0: You know, when they do it at
10: BYU, they're in the, the mock courtroom, and so there's there's still a bench. <laughs> there's still you know um, a separation of lawyers and and um, people who are watching. Um, and so it's the same process. It's just in a, in a more convenient place for the. Hopefully for the lawyers and and the parties that are involved that are you know involved in Utah cases.
2: Often, unless something uh, changes or or there is kind of a higher reach, it's it's usually done with three judges. Is that the case here?
10: Yes, it's it's typically three judges unless it's an en banc um, mm-hmm. argument, and then it's all of the active judges. See, um, what... the three judges can be senior. Um, you know, they can be a grouping of you know, and it's a it's. Um, it, they don't choose which cases they work on it's you know assigned and so it's three three judges the panel they usually hear uh, they usually hear three cases in a setting so there would be um you know three hours and and three cases and three or, three or six cases and so it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same the same schedule the same opportunity there's certainly not anything detracted you know they they're not going to lose any kind of time or lose any kind of opportunity to talk to the judges so it's it's really honestly the same argument it's just in a different location and different people get to get to view it
2: this is very cool it it really is and yeah. I, I i love it when i walk off the air and i've i've really learned something and boy i've really learned something today when they say yeah, it, is. it is sold out it, it, do people purchase the tickets, or just acquire the tickets, or just fill the auditorium? How does it work?
10: I'm pretty sure it's acquire. I, I I actually don't know whether Utah State. I mean, I guess they could sell tickets. I don't know if the court would have a policy against that. I would think that the court would not want tickets yeah. to be sold. Um, but uh, of course, there's only so much room, and so registration would have to, you know, right be limited in some way.
2: Well, maybe we could put that money toward the national debt if they did sell it. What do you think? <laughs>
10: I don't think it would help much.
2: How long would it take to get twenty-three trillion dollars? I'm not quite sure. You know, we might need a Too many a big...
10: arguments and not
2: enough judges. <laughs> Michelle, I, I really appreciate you taking our call. I've learned a lot from our conversations over the years, but uh, today, something I was totally clueless about. I, if you had asked me this just yesterday. I would have said, no, you know, everything always occurs over in Denver. That's why it's the headquarters. Yeah. That's where the 10th Circuit meets. And, you know, never the twain shall meet. And, you know, here I'm finding out something okay. totally different. So thank you for taking the time.
8: You bet. Have a great day.
2: Thank you so much, Michelle. Michelle Quist with us here at KSL News Radio. And as I mentioned, the reason she immediately came to mind as we were making some phone calls on this, is we have had uh, innumerable conversations with Michelle over the years for many different reasons. But uh, one is that she clerked in the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. And I thought, my friend Michelle will know the answer to this. All right, let's take a break here at the bottom of the hour. And uh, we we, we talked with Carl Arkey not long ago about things going on at UTA. Well, Apparently, and one of the things we talked about was riding free. Well, there's a free fair day coming up. We'll give you the whole skinny on that. Coming up in just a few minutes, Doug Wright sitting in today on Inside Sources. Inside Sources.
1: Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160
2: AM. Wasn't long ago that we talked with our friend Carl Arkey. Carl about uh, some things regarding UTA. And by the way, Carl, I got to tell you, last night, big meeting in Eureka, and it looks like Eureka might be entering the 20th century. We, no. in, in a couple of years, we might have natural gas. Really? <laughs> big pause. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, I was down there with uh, Dominion uh, Energy is having two town hall meetings right now. And I was at the one last night. There'll be one on Wednesday. So, can UTA can front runner or at least a light rail line be far behind?
11: You know, I've talked to the people, and they've said it's in the planning process, and um, we're, we're going to get to it eventually, Doug. Uh-huh. Eventually, we're going to have a spur that gets down to Eureka, and and we're going to get around to talking to, about it eventually. And now that Dominion is coming down there, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, well. hey, I mean, really talk about paving the way. Hey, the reason we wanted to talk with Carl Arkey uh, is that we uh, we got this, uh, and it says, come take a free ride with UTA. You know, just one of the issues we talked about the other day was mm-hmm. the suggestion that had been made, and, and it's free in downtown Salt Lake City in the business area, basically. But what about, you know, making it free all the time? That's a topic for another day. But this is an opportunity to ride free on UTA. Tell us about it on October 25th and 26th.
11: Yeah, it's coming up this Friday and this Saturday, and we want people to be introduced to mass transportation, to public transportation. So we thought, what better way? Nice day, nice weekend in the fall. You come in, well, you get on board and you have a pass. Doug, you've got your pass. You want to bring your lovely wife or you want to bring a friend along, they get to ride for free. If two people have a pass and they bring two other people along, those other two people get to ride for free. We just want people to experience it because you've seen it with your own eyes. Once people get a chance to use the system, they're, for the most part, I think they're very impressed and they go, yeah. oh, this is something I ought to think about using more.
2: So this is kind of a, a two for one. So if somebody has the right. pass, somebody can ride with them for free.
11: Right. If they have a pass, and it could be a go ride something on their Go Ride app, or the Fair Pay, or an Eco Pass, or a monthly pass, or just if you pay cash and get a ticket, something like that at a vending machine, your friend, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your your wife, your father, whoever can ride along with you for free. Yeah,
2: you know, that is a really cool thing. And you know, seriously. I I I had an experience I'd never had before when I ran really? when I when I rode front runner to Utah County I had never been through the Jordan Narrows ever. Oh and yeah. And I'm not kidding you. That is so cool to be on on Isn't front that runner. Neat? Yeah, and it and it's something that I don't care if you're going Redwood Road or whether you're on the freeway or any of the frontage roads or anything you don't see the Jordan Narrows unless you're on front runner or if you're in no, a canoe. You
11: yeah, it's you amazing. You not experience it the same way. No, it's it's. I remember the first time I went through that. I thought I didn't know this was here. I didn't yeah. realize this. This is really interesting. And, I, you know, it's just part of the fun of, of riding. I love Frontrunner. I love all of our systems. But it's it's just part of the the, the unique experience of using Frontrunner to go south towards Provo and to, into Utah County. And I think people are surprised. And I think they enjoy it. I, and that's why we really want to do this, so we can get more people to get that experience if they haven't had the chance before.
2: It it is so much fun because the the first front runner ride I actually remember riding with the Utah State Legislature and it wasn't even officially running at the time and there were some borrowed cars I can remember at that time it was Lieutenant Governor Gary Herbert was on board and a lot of the legislators and we went up to uh, to Ogden that was so cool and as a matter of fact I ran into Bill Barnes yesterday and. He was the very first person to take me on the light rail route. And it was before Mm -hmm. it was even built. And we were in one of those vehicles where the train wheels come down out of the truck. And we we had to stop and they'd go out and, you know, have uh, manually stop traffic while we went through on the proposed route. And I was with my, uh, my producer, Amy Iverson, at the time. I've had some amazing experiences with UTA over the years. And to see this system now in its current state and as convenient and as great as it is, it can always get better. Everybody, oh, what, sure. what, what we hear now instead of the screaming, why are they going to build that? Why are they, now we're hearing, why don't they build this? When are they coming here? When right. are they coming there? That's that, is, the...
11: that is so true. That is so true. We're hearing from more communities who are saying what you're saying, Doug. How do we work this out? How can we get, whether it's front runner or whether it's tracks or whether it's say, these, these bus rapid transit systems, like the one we have in Orem and uh, Provo right now that is having so much success and so has been really embraced by the UVU and the BYU community. Now we're we're going to have one up in uh, uh, Ogden that's gonna be running from Ogden, the Ogden station over to Weber State. People are starting to understand the benefits of all this, even if they don't use it themselves, they understand it's taking cars off the road. And if they do use yeah. it, they really enjoy it. Now, what I'm really glad to hear is they didn't put you on one of those. Oh, the cars where you have to pump the. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, the thing like we're
11: we're yeah. you know pumping you the pump t- up and down. Yeah. yeah self propel yourself they didn't
2: make you do that did they no no and unfortunately you know the image i boot up on that this shows you how warped and twisted i am it's out of blazing saddles yeah that that's uh i that's one of my guiltiest of wonderful pleasures is but that that <laughs> <laughs> that scene where they go in the quicksand never mind we'll talk about that on the movie show yeah. so it's
11: yeah, on the movie show. Yeah, that's I'll right. Let you, I'll let you guys handle that one. Yeah,
2: everything weird and totally inappropriate happens on the movie show. So on it's the movie show. Take a, I love it. Take a free ride with UTA, and that's coming up this weekend, the 25th and 26th. And explain once again how it works.
11: Just you have a ticket, you bring your friend along, you bring somebody else along that you want to ride with you, and they get to ride for free. So it's basically, as you said, Doug, it's two for one.
2: Uh, if you
11: have a ticket, now, no matter how you have acquired that ticket, as long as you can show proof that you have a fare, your friend doesn't have to buy anything. They can just get on board and enjoy riding tracks, front runner buses. The only thing that's not eligible is the, the paratransit.
2: Oh, this is so cool! I really appre- Hey, I just booted up another great, you know, pump uh, scene. It's out of the old movie Union Pacific, starring Joel McRae and Barbara Stanwyck. Uh. And there's a scene where Joel uh-huh. McRae and Barbara Stanwyck are going along and Buffalo are on the track. See, I I, yeah. up. You know, it's not we all. We need to do that.
11: We yeah. we need to find one of those. And we'll go out there and we'll do that. It'll, it'll be our exercise for the day.
2: I just had to boot something else so people don't think my only, you know, clinging to reality is blazing saddles. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, I wish that you the
11: best. That may be how you get down to Eureka when we get started. <laughs> boy, no kidding.
2: <laughs> hey, now there's an idea. I just want to know what the fare would be on that thing. Hey, Carl, best of luck, and I appreciate you bringing this uh, to our attention. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Carl Arkey with us from uh, UTA Today. And it's uh, friends and family ride free on October 25th and 26th. That is very cool. So basically one person has a pass, the other person rides absolutely free this weekend, October 25th and 26th at UTA. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll do a little recap on the program. Plus, we're going to look forward to what we have tomorrow here on Inside Sources. Stay with us. There's much more to come. Plus, I'd love to get your texts on the Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line. And uh, any comment on the show at all today? But I'd also be very interested to find out who you would like to see run for governor.
1: Inside Sources
2: on KSL News Radio. Well, it's been fun today. We've had a lot of great guests on the uh, program, and I wanted to give you a little preview of tomorrow. Amy Winder-Newton will be joining us. A lot of speculation about uh, Amy and her future. She will join us at 1 o'clock on Inside Sources. Uh, over the weekend, uh, I had the opportunity to chat with uh, Senator Lyle Hilliard and also with Representative Francis Gibson. It's an interview that will air next Sunday morning on our Sunday edition program. And we're talking about the reformation of the tax system in the state of Utah. We talked a little bit with uh, former Governor Huntsman about that today. And everything is on the table. Now, last year, remember some of the confusion and even some of the uh, consternation that was occurring regarding taxing our services. Lyle Hilliard pointed out to me that already some of the services, and he gave the number, it was like 67 services, something like that, are taxed already in the state of Utah. But this would be a rather broad expansion on that. And the argument is, and uh, Governor Huntsman, former Governor Huntsman, alluded to that today, that with the, the changing world we live in and the way we do commerce today, the more efficient vehicles that we drive. It has dramatically affected the sales tax revenue here in the state of Utah and elsewhere. And different states have done different things about it. But taxing the services is something that is is being discussed. But it is interesting because that's that's going to be an interesting challenge for the lawmakers on Capitol Hill to somehow make that uh, as fair as is humanly possible and Overall, I am assured by everybody from the governor on down that ultimately, in the long term, as you look at your taxes over a year's period of time, that this will actually save taxpayers' money. Now, I I, I want to see the proof in the pudding on that. I worry about those who are elderly, honestly, and I've used my mother as an example, 91 years of age right now, and almost everything she purchases It's not some tangible item, it is a service. Or if she does purchase a tangible item, it comes with a considerable service on installation, things of that nature. I worry about whether or not that will affect one aspect or one demographic or one age group in our society more than uh, others. So something else, And, and I asked Senator Hilliard and Representative Gibson about this specifically I said, you know, a lot of Utahs have have actually mocked other states and other entities that have taxed soda pop, that have taxed candy, and, uh, you know, kind of the, uh, how can I, syntax light, let's put it that way. And tomorrow we're going to hopefully talk with Senator Karen Maine about that. What is likely to be in the tax reform uh, as the, uh, the, Minority Leader on Capitol Hill, uh, Democrats' Senator Karen may not be very interested in her take on this and what she is anticipating. And then also, we we already talked with uh, Michelle Quist about the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals making uh, an appearance at USU. We'll actually talk with a representative from the court about taking the show on the road, as it were. And And I, you know... <laughs> Sometimes I would say I'm embarrassed I didn't know that. I'm I'm actually quite pleased that I do now know that. I've often said that if at the end of uh, a program here on KSL, if I haven't learned something or had perhaps uh, something enhanced or walk away with even maybe a, a belief uh, enhanced a little bit or even challenged a little bit, it, it just wasn't a good show. So boy, I learned a lot uh, today about the 10th Circuit. I had no idea they took the show on the road. And then, you know, we talked about safety with our pets at Halloween. Well, what about safety at haunted houses? And I'm not talking about the people that buy tickets to go through the haunted house. I'm talking about the people that actually entertain or frighten or scare you to death in the haunted houses. Because, I mean, think about that. You're scared to death. You're tense. Somebody jumps out at you with a chainsaw. Do, you know, what, what is kind of that automatic human reaction? I'll tell you this. My wife used to work for the Disney company uh, for a while down in Burbank. And uh, she would, uh, the Disney employees, of course, have carte blanche at the, uh, the parks. And she got to know some of the people that uh, uh, entertain you in various ways and are inside some of the costumes. She said, you would be surprised you know that that seems like such a wonderful job, how sweet to be you know Chippendale or to be Pluto or to be Cinderella or whomever it said you cannot believe what happens to the sometimes a, a little kid she told me the story. one person said they've been stuck with a pin. they don't know how many times because the kids want to see if they're real or not. I mean it's, and and just the heat, so what about our haunted houses and how safe are they for the actual Workers, and I just got word of this. Our our producer uh, just let me know that uh, Lamar Farnsworth uh, passed away. For anybody who's familiar with the long legacy of Hogle Zoo, I can remember when I started at KSL so many years ago when we would do an event at Hogle Zoo. Uh, Mr. Farnsworth was such an important factor, he was so highly respected in the world of zoology i suppose would be the way to put it and uh, when i heard that he has passed away uh, he is a, a, a huge factor in the success and the growth and the legacy of hogel zoo and uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to reflect a little bit on uh, the amazing uh, career that he left behind mr farnsworth boy he's one of the the first uh, people that i really remember doing uh, promotions with and so on here at ksl uh, in case you didn't hear the interview that we did just a little earlier, I kind of had fun with it and teased uh, Governor and former Governor and uh, former First Lady uh, John Huntsman and Mary Kay Huntsman about this. But really, everybody is wondering: Is he going to run for Governor of the great state of Utah? And when I uh, one time I did it just for fun, but the other time I I got a little serious, and this is what our former Governor had to say
6: it was such a great honor to serve before and and here's the analysis you should go through without you know sounding hokey you know when you lose a parent and in this case when i lost my dad yeah it was the first time i really thought about you know your remaining years left to do something productive cuz your parents are going to live forever after all and when you lose one of them in in this case my dad it's like okay well how much time do i have left and yeah how many productive years and and in those years what matters most to you beyond family? What do you value most? And for us, it was, well, public service has always been something we've really believed in. The most enjoyable part of public service was serving here as governor because you can solve problems, you help to strengthen communities, and you pursue life, liberty, and happiness for the great population of the most beautiful state on earth. And, uh, and so as we were going through the analysis, it was, okay, I've lost my dad, I got two sons deployed. I got diagnosed with melanoma. But thank goodness, only stage one. So you, you begin to think even more about how you can be productive, not waste time, but do something that really is meaningful and not to you, but to other people. And then grandkids come along and you say, OK, the future really does matter. We thought it did before and now it's more relevant than ever. And, uh, and all of that has taken us to where we are right now. And that is hopefully in the next, uh, probably two weeks from now, we'll we'll have an answer on that, and you're very kind.
2: I uh, was just piping up there when that got cut off, and I said, hey, by the way, let's make the appointment because I'll still be doing this show uh, two weeks from now, and whether or not that occurs, you know, who knows. But it was very kind of uh, Mary Kay Huntsman and uh, John Huntsman, Jr. to join us here for an extended conversation. We talked in the first portion about the experiences, although Kirk Jower's had the opportunity last Friday to go into a little more depth on that. But what it was like to be the ambassador, the arguably the two most important positions as ambassador from the United States of America now, back in the old days it would be Paris or it would be Great Britain, uh, maybe Japan and so on. And now uh, I'd say at least the most challenging and arguably the most important would be China and Russia and how many people have had the opportunity to do both And then, of course, you know, Singapore even long before that. So we'll look forward to uh, hear what uh, our former governor actually announces, and he indicated that it would be roughly about two weeks. And there's a lot of speculation, too, as I mentioned, around Amy Winder-Newton, and she will be joining us tomorrow. We have her confirmed for the program at one o five. so I'll look forward to talking with uh, Amy on the program. Uh, By the way, a couple of texts we'll just uh, catch up with. I was asking, okay, who should run for governor? This person said, hey, Democratic candidate ought to be Pat Jones for governor, former senator in our great state. Pat's amazing. Uh, This person said Dick Norris." Another person is saying, hey, it really ought to be. It really ought to be. Governor Huntsman ought to run again. One person said, no, I'd rather Mr. Huntsman would run for Mike Lee's Senate seat. And then one person said, "What are you doing for the next five years, Doug?" Well, I won't be doing this show for the next five years. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that. You never know. I'll be hanging out in Eureka, and one day, one day that bathroom will be completed. Live breaking news
1: now on the mobile app for KSL News Radio. Listen at home or anywhere you go. Brought to you by Any Hour Services. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City, KSL News Radio. This is Utah's new.